bland food, bland family, that needs more salt. Join Nancy and Mary as they discuss family flavor and the theme that brings them all together on this week's episode of Needs More Salt. Morning. <laughs> Good afternoon from Michigan. Are you afternoon? Oh, you're right. We're still morning yeah, here again. We do this morning. every time. Sorry. You do this every time. I do. I do. Anyway. Um, anyway, how are you? I am good. I am very good. I've been baking babka this Ooh, morning. Yum. Yeah. So that's been fun. Coconut babka. Some of my Oh, babe. I love your coconut babka. So, yes. Well, well, well. Today is a special day. We have a wonderful guest coming up. And to introduce her, here is Nancy Keatley. Yes, our guest today is Lindsay Anderson. And Lindsay is a writer, copywriter, copy editor, and content strategist. Um, actually, she is also one of the founders of Generational Fair, which is F-A-R-E. Um, and I found out about Lindsay through Instagram because I had posted a picture of grandma's meatloaf when Mary and I did grandma's meatloaf challenge. And she was like, Hey, do you want to, you know, we'd love to have you put your recipe on our thing. And I was like, is this legit? And then I checked it out <laughs> and she's awesome. She has done so much stuff. She's traveled around the world um, or at least to Italy. And she um, has her bachelor's in art history. She's going to share, I'm sure a lot of this with us. But she lives in Vancouver, Canada, um, and she is a blogger and has written cookbooks, and I am super excited about having her join us. I am too. So let us get a hold of her. That sounds great. Okay, cool. Talk to you in a moment. Hi. Oh. Good morning. Hello. Good morning. How are you? Good morning. Good. How are you? Very well, thanks. Just a heads up, my dog might chirp up a couple of times. Hopefully he <laughs> he now, whenever my phone sort of chimes, he thinks that means somebody is at the door because I told people to stop buzzing because that, new, uh. you know, anyways, <laughs> he, he's too good at um, establishing new patterns. So Anyways, that's awesome. At well, the that moment. is okay. Yeah. We, <laughs> okay. we welcome all kinds of guests here. That's wonderful. Yeah. <laughs> that's true. That is true. Guest, but we'll see. We'll see. That's all right. So, well, thanks for joining us. I'm thanks so excited that you're yeah, willing I'm to really do this. excited. Yeah. No, um, I'm very, very glad you asked me. Good. Well, to uh, kind of start out with, Mom, Lindsay. What did you put in your mouth this week that was exceptional? Shall I start? That yes, would be awesome. Be you're, the, you're the guest. Great. We will okay. let you start. We'll let guests start first. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Um, the thing that I've been putting in my mouth this week over and over that I'm so obsessed with is just local strawberries that are finally oh. at the grocery store. And they yes. are, I don't think I've ever had, I don't know if it's just this year or I'm so excited to be eating fresh local berries again but they are <laughs> the best strawberries I've ever eaten I made strawberry shortcake on Sunday I have Allison yeah. Roman's new baking and dessert book and uh... so I used her shortcake biscuit recipe and made them for Sunday and then on Monday I made a strawberry cake from the same book because I was like I just can't get enough of these guys and then I'm going to go buy more today so that I can <laughs> make more shortcake and eat at my boyfriend's tonight. Okay. <laughs> so I'm on a strawberry uh, binge. Honestly, that's it good. like a perfect week. Absolutely. It really, how it's long, really how long does How long do strawberries last up there? Like how long is the season? I'd say well into July. This is like a real berry utopia because there's a lot of um, blueberry farms like mm. in the city outside of Vancouver. So mm -hmm. we get a ton of raspberries, blueberries, the strawberries are in yeah, full, full height right now. And then, you know, like all of the, there's a region north of Vancouver that is famous for its fruit. So everything comes down from the Okanagan. Anyways, it's like 
peak season and i think the strawberries usually usually last a little while yeah because yeah. that sounds like us because i think because the okanagan valley is similar to the willamette valley and so terroir i can never say that word but yeah, yeah. We'll just say in in the way in in the environment anyway, <laughs> and so yeah, so that's why I was just curious because I know you're farther north than we are, but with the val with the valley and stuff, and then Mary, you guys have strawberries too right now, right? We do, and I'm I'm just gonna say they're not the most amazing that I've had. <laughs> okay, um, they can't always be. Not every year. They they can't all be hood strawberries from Oregon. So I'm learning to accept that very slowly but (laughs) uh yeah fresh fruit is coming in and strawberries last week at the farmer's market really just like popped up everywhere so I'm super excited I'm hoping maybe to go you pick some strawberries and maybe try like a couple varieties because I'm I'm still I have hope for Michigan and strawberries there you go that's good you're optimistic but a little bit. <laughs> yeah. Oh, the strawberry stuff sounds so good. And I just actually discovered Allison Roman. I don't know why just recent, like in the last month because she was on a podcast and I was like, Oh, she's amazing. Ooh, I need to like yeah. start getting her stuff. And yeah, my husband a couple weeks ago made a, made her tiramisu for a dinner oh. that we had. And it was yeah. the best tiramisu anybody at the table had ever had. Yeah, a lot so... of her recipes are like that. It's like, oh man, this is the best like scone I've ever had. You yeah, know? this is the best I've made. Everything I've made from her baking book so far, I'm incredibly pleased with. And it's also very no fuss. You know, she's like, yes. you don't need to spend three days making this. You know, skip that part because that's ridiculous. Nobody needs to bother with this. Da, 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 da. So her stuff is also just like really easy to put together. And oh man, I'm just. I'm I'm very glad I talked myself into buying the book good, <laughs> when good. I told myself I don't need to buy any more cookbooks. Well, <laughs> she's actually she's on my list of, of a couple that I'd like to get from her because I think it'd be really good for my husband who is a recipe follower. And so, yeah, yeah. yeah. So I'm excited about that. But anyway, yeah. sorry. So let's see. What did I put in my mouth? A whole bunch of good stuff because we did a Syrian dinner on Saturday night that was mm fantastic and i made a i did an apricot baklava oh delicious that i had never i know i made it up i was like okay this is either going to be really good or awful and (laughs) thankfully it was really good and everybody absolutely loved it and there were a couple of people that were like i just kept going back like i'd walk by and be like oh there's still some left (laughs) i bet that was all cleaned up by the end of the night it was, there were like four pieces left and I was like, yes, I'm going to have it tomorrow with some tea. And then I went to have it. My husband had already eaten it. So that was, (laughs) I was like, that's okay. I did try one. So that was all right. But it was, yeah, it was just big regular baklava, but then I chopped um, some dried apricots and put it in with the nuts and then did a thin layer of um, apricot jam that we had, I think Carrie had made when she was still here. So it had been in the freezer. That sounds right. And it was, um, so I did like a thin layer of that and then on top of the butter and then did the nuts and apricots and then rolled it up almost like a cigar. Yeah. Yeah. It was so so good. good. Easy, easy and really good. Cause I did not make the phyllo. I I mean, who amongst us? (laughs) I've done it once. And that was in that I was like trying yeah. to replicate my, my Nana's recipe. And I was like, yeah, even then it would be like, Nancy, go to the store. Exactly. <laughs> what are you doing to why punish yourself this way? Exactly. So yeah. What about you, Mary? I, as you were talking, I was just dreaming about the baklava, but <laughs> um, again, this week hasn't been super creative. It's been really hot. So I haven't wanted to cook a ton. But I did last night, my flatmate was so lovely and she, um, well, her boyfriend, Potato Man, as we have been calling him, uh, came over and she had made tacos for them. And she was like, we've got plenty, so please help yourself. And I was like, great, I will do that. (laughs) And they were fantastic. So it was like the perfect first day of summer meal, I think. So I had that and then I sat out on our porch with a glass of rosé and read and enjoyed my tacos. So that was 
pretty amazing, I think. I mean, it sounds perfect, quite frankly. Yeah. 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 The birds were singing. There was a breeze. It was just like, yes, I will take this every night. Thank you. At least during the summer. Yeah. At least in the summer. Yeah. Probably not in the winter. <laughs> that might be a, a little rough. Your rosé will become froze. And, yeah. <laughs> and I will become also frozen. Yeah. <laughs> so, well, all of that food and the berries, all that sounds so lovely. It sounds like it's been a good week for food. Um, speaking of food, and I say let's hop right into it. Um, I think, Lindsay, if... I don't know a whole ton about my mom just because was like, Mary, we need to interview this person. I was like, okay, great. <laughs> All right. <laughs> um, so I, I was looking over your website a little bit and I was like, oh, this is fantastic. Um, so I just want to know a little bit of like what led you on your food journey to kind of start this this website and to share the recipes that you've been doing sure I I was kind of thinking about this the other day actually that my my quote-unquote food journey has been very um Mm non-linear so I'll I'll keep it as short as possible but I would say it's been sort of like an unfolding series of events that one will lead to another so to go way back, I did art history in my undergrad and I was always obsessed with food growing up. I come from not a food family, interestingly, like it's my family members are just like not that interested in food. My brother likes to cook, but not anywhere near the level of my voracious appetite. Like as a child, (laughs) um, just wanting to know, not just about, you know, not just wanting to put things in my mouth, but like know about food. Anyways, I never wanted to be a chef though. So I was sort of like, well, I guess I won't have a, you know, that's, the only way to have a career in food. And so (laughs) I, so, so we thought, right. So I did art history in my undergrad, but during that time I discovered that, you know, there's actually academic food programs. So then I became very obsessed with doing one of those for my master's. So I, I actually did a master's of food culture and communications um, at the university of gastronomic sciences, which is in Italy. Oh my gosh. Yeah. So that was sort of like the, it was like, okay, we're really, we're really doing this. And it was, you know, an incredible year. And I met incredible people and learned a lot. And then, but then, you know, you get spat out of a program like that and you're just like, okay, what, uh, I guess I'm a food writer, you know, like, (laughs) what do I do now? And so long story short on that, I I worked for a while at a deli and was very sad and depressed and not sure how to get started or what to do. But then there was this, I was living in Vancouver and there was this, um, a contest put on by tourism Richmond, which is the city that's just outside of Vancouver. And so their whole, there's a huge Chinese population there and they have basically like the best Chinese food anywhere outside of China. And so they ran a contest called 365 days of dining and they wanted to find a blogger who would eat at 365 restaurants in 365 days and blog about every single one, like consecutively for a year. Oh, how fun. So, yeah, I was basically like, this is my job. This is my lifeline. Like, I have to. Like, I I was like Leslie Nope in Parks and Rec when she was <laughs> campaigning. And it was like running concurrently to that storyline. And I was like, I am Leslie Nope. Like, I am, <laughs> I am really obsessed and determined to make this happen. And so I ended up winning the contest. And then that was my first, like, big food writing job. And, you know, talk about being thrown into the deep end it was like you know I wasn't writing once a week I wrote every day for an entire year so yeah so that was that was sort of like okay I can I can do this I can make some money doing this um but then you know you also quickly learn that like nothing then you have to figure out what the next sort of gig will be so then uh uh my friend my my now best friend and I she and I had only known each other a year at this point after that we decided to go on a big road trip across Canada and write about Canadian food culture and we could just kind of thought it would because nobody really knows what Canadian food is Canadians included yeah and so we decided to do a big road trip and write about Canadian food culture and that ended up turning into a cookbook 
And so oh. we wrote the cookbook and that took a couple of years. And then the cookbook came out in 2017. And then it was actually a man in Victoria, my colleague Marco, who he read the cookbook and really liked it. And he is Portuguese and he does come from a family that loves food and cooks a ton. And his mom has all these amazing recipes from, mm -hmm. you know, generations back. And so he actually reached out to us and said, would you be interested in helping me put together what became generational fair? You know, at the time we didn't have a name ah. for anything. And so that is you know, I, I went back so far because it's all of these, this leads to this and that leads to this and you meet this person and they put, you know, it, it's like none of the, none of the jobs I've had have been like, I found it online and I applied and I interviewed and I got it. They've all been in this very bizarre winding kind of road that's led me here. And so mm -hmm. basically when he said, you know, it would be, it would be a recipe that would be a place to to share and preserve these recipes because he's like, I've always wanted to put my mom's recipes somewhere, but I've never really been like happy with what's out there. And my whole thing is like telling stories around food. I was like, yeah, no, this is my dream. You know, like this is, this is exactly um, what I want to do. So we worked on it for a while, designed it, and then it, we launched it last spring. So I've been working on it part-time since then. And hopefully we'll be going, working full-time on it. Um, and sort of like growing it into an even bigger community. And it's all about, it's, it's so much about the recipes, obviously, but like so often it's about the story behind the recipe. So that's, what's been really fun is, is asking people not just to share, share their family recipe, but also to go back and, you know, take up some old photographs and tell stories about the person who, you know, provided the recipe. And so that is how we, how we landed here. <laughs> That's amazing. That's fantastic. Yeah, long-winded answer. <laughs> yeah, no, I that's mean... so cool. Wait, can I ask a question? Oh, yeah, yeah absolutely. Yeah. So <laughs> when you, this goes back to your, your Canadian road trip. So one mm -hmm. of the things, to me, to me, I agree that I had no clue that like Canada had different foods. <laughs> I mean, I knew they had different foods, but <laughs> like that there was a, there was a whole like all different kinds of Canadian cuisine because it's huge huge it's kind of yeah. like the u.s you know it's like the u.s yeah. bigger than the u.s if i remember correctly i don't know it is people, I mean, population wise the, not yes. sure but land definitely land, not land population mass, but land mass bigger so yeah. a few years ago quite a few years ago now we started watching master chef canada oh cool okay. and it was amazing because i was like oh here's these people from because the only place i've ever been to in canada is vancouver and victoria Right. And so I was like, oh, so there were these people from like all over Canada and literally like they had all these different cuisines that were regional cuisines that they had grown up with or whatever. And I thought it was fascinating. It was so cool to figure to figure that out. It really so, is. And I mean, we it was cool for us, too, you know, and like we grew up in Canada. Dana, who's the friend that I wrote the book with, she grew up in Ontario. I grew up in BC. So okay. like we thought, you know, and then you're into food. So I was sort of like, I kind of have an understanding about the fact that there's, you know, regional cuisines. And then we started traveling and it was like, oh, we didn't have a clue. There are <laughs> so many different foods we'd never heard of. There's so many, yeah, it's sort of like almost microclimates in terms of cuisine. Um, mm -hmm, and it's, mm -hmm. yeah, you're right. I mean, it's the country is like stupidly large. There's so well, and that's what I was going to ask. Did you find yeah. a fate? Did you find a favorite that like something maybe you had never even thought of or heard of or? Yeah. I mean, plenty of things I'd never heard of. That's for sure. Um, one of my favorite places to eat and part, this is partly just because I also loved visiting it, but is, um, Newfoundland. Oh. So on Canada's East coast, it mm -hmm. is just a remarkable in terms of like the landscape is incredible. The people are very friendly. It has this very unique culture based on who came from where and when, and it's, and then there's a very particular food culture as well. So there's a lot of cod now that the cod um, population has been able to come back, but also a lot of like foraged forage foods root vegetables there's berries called um have you ever heard of bake apples no or, mm -hmm. sometimes they're also called cloud berries they're often oh, found okay you know, okay i've heard the name i have yeah. too 
so they're often in more northern climates. Like we also saw them in the Yukon. Um, you'll see them in Nunavut, which is the Arctic territory. Um, and then they're also quite rampant <laughs> across Newfoundland. And so there's this whole there's you have bake apple jam and bake apple syrup and bake apple kind of everything. And they're very beautiful. And then they're also really interesting in that, like we picked some when we were in the Yukon and when you put them in the bucket and then you smell, this sounds kind of gross, but trust me, it's fine. <laughs> they kind of have almost like a Parmesan smell. Huh? It doesn't oh, smell kind of like sweet and acidic in the same way that like a bucket of raspberries would smell. It has, yeah almost like a like a lactose kind of umami-esque creamy smell to it which wow. is a very bizarre thing but so that you know it's like wow this is these are these are absolutely new to us and I grew up in northern British Columbia so like northern climates aren't totally unfamiliar to me but these these certainly were so it was that kind of a thing where you know, you just be like, okay, didn't, didn't know that this was here. Okay. <laughs> but um, yeah, there, there was a lot of examples of that all over the place, um, which, yeah, it was just sort of like endlessly fascinating. There was a, there was another one now that I think of it called, um, this was in New Brunswick in like a Acadian town and they were called poutine rapé. So like the first word is poutine <laughs> as in like what everybody does think of oh, as yeah. Canadian food, mm -hmm. but they had nothing to do with that poutine. And they were unlike anything we'd ever seen before. It's basically these like potato and salt pork dumplings oh. and the, the quote unquote <laughs> dough. Yeah. They were really, really tasty. The dough is basically made of half grated raw potato that's been squeezed out and then half mashed potato. So those mm. two kinds of potato are mixed together <laughs> and it makes what looks like a dough with salt and then you pat them out and then fill them with chopped salt pork that's soaked for a while and so it's just those ingredients the potato salt and salt pork and then you close it up and it's honestly they're like the size of baseballs they're really quite large <laughs> and then they're boiled for like hours on the stovetop and by the time they come out they have the texture of like almost mochi like a I'm so glad you rice. didn't say baseball. Oh, yes. <laughs> no. They look like a baseball. They don't taste like a baseball. They don't have the texture of a baseball. Oh, they have good. this very, very interesting, like, because you know when you're like, what new could anyone possibly show me when it comes to potatoes and pork? You know, <laughs> yeah. like, as yeah. if we haven't seen it all, like, heard it all. And then you're like, oh, no, this is absolutely new to me. And wow. I didn't know you could achieve this texture by using potato and salt. And so, but it's a very traditional food there. And they're, you know, quite labor intensive. So they'll make them for sort of more like holidays and stuff. And they're often served with um, brown sugar and black pepper sprinkled over top. How fascinating. Totally. That was a good like, Why would... I, at first I was like, that just sounds so strange. But at the same time, I mean, it sounds strange... so good. Yeah, totally. strange was another word that I was thinking of. Um, but like sweet, with salty. the salt and the sweet and the... The texture, it's it's like, it truly, unlike anything I've seen or heard of, and I wouldn't even be, there's probably plenty of people even in New Brunswick have, who have never heard of these, right? But yeah, I wonder what, this... I wonder what their, what, like food etymology, I wonder what the, what it, well, like, the Acadians, you know? It's a lot of, I mean, the Acadians are the people who came down from there and essentially are like, um the new Cajuns. orleans yeah exactly mm -hmm, exactly mm -hmm. like that's the origin of it so there's w these interesting culinary links between cajun food and acadian food in new brunswick so much further north of there obviously yeah there's a lot of french influence um but then there's also you know in new brunswick there was a lot of like scottish immigration and it's a real interesting mashup but the origins of it are this, yes, Acadian culture. And I have no idea. But then you also think like, gosh, it sounds almost Irish because of the, you know, potato and salt pork. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, honestly, somebody could probably write a thesis just on <laughs> poutine rapé. That would be the type of thesis that I would want to write is about potatoes. 
in general. That is true. Oh, yeah. Um, because potatoes are one of my favorite food groups. The, it should be a food group on all yeah. on its own. Yeah. Yeah. So well, that's well, fascinating. Your, your I love it. Food road trip sounds so fun, and I think, Mom, you and I should probably plan this out at some point. I just want to, yeah, because I want to like go to New Brunswick and try. I was like mostly to go to New Brunswick because I want (laughs) to find these. I know because they're just yeah. Well, I can give you plenty of um, hot tips on places to go on all all over the country. That's true. Well, we could buy Um, your we could buy your cookbook. Yeah, I'll um I'll send you the link. It's called Feast Recipes and Stories from a Canadian Road Trip. That'd be Um, awesome. Yeah, came out with. Um, it's Appetite by Random House and it came out in 2017 so you can find it on Amazon and it's okay yeah it's online so we will do that Mary and you make cool. sure you put the link to that on the, on the show notes I will. Brilliant. brilliant brilliant thank brilliant. you um, so Lindsay you have mentioned I kind of at the beginning that you didn't really come from like a food family or Correct. a family involved in a lot of food how Or have you found any, like, any family, like, recipes that have been passed down? Like, like, did it skip a couple couple generations? If you you go back far (laughs) enough, did you have family who actually, you know, enjoyed more? How how do you bring (laughs) the, like, generations of your own family into your, your current food culture and then how are you kind of like sharing that besides through like your website and your cookbook um but like in your own community yeah no that's a really good question and I mean I guess I guess the I don't know if anyone I can I obviously can't go back and like ask my great great grandmother or anybody you know like if they enjoyed cooking but I Mm -hmm. would say the one thing that my family has had to do is still eat right so yeah (laughs) even if it's not clear if there's like being a great culinary passion that goes back generations they still you know were were having to cook and eat and my um like going way way back my family comes from Ireland Scotland and England predominantly and then a lot of them when they came excuse me, came over to Canada. A lot of them were in Ontario first and then settled in the prairies. So like both of my grandparents on my mom's side um, come from prairie, small, small prairie towns. Um, So I actually, (laughs) my aunt saved uh, my Nana's recipe box and Mm -hmm. I didn't know that she had it. My Nana passed away like over 25 years ago and my aunt held on to her little like recipe tin and my mom said oh good thing she did because I would have chucked it <laughs> I'm like, oh, oh, yeah. a classic example of being like do you know me like <laughs> what um and so just a couple of months ago my aunt actually gave it to me and I was like I didn't know this existed like it was one of the most precious gifts I've ever received right like what from this family that doesn't really care about food to receive a little tin of recipes was so thrilling. And so I've been going through it over the last couple of months. And the funny thing is, is that like, it doesn't reveal some like deep, again, love of cooking and like long lost really traditional recipes. But what it does show are these little like peeks into the past of the kinds of food that my Nana would have been making or her, mom or even great great grandmother um a lot of it is like pie (laughs) so there's a lot of like pastry recipes um a real love of zucchini (laughs) particularly zucchini bread there's like four recipes I'm actually probably gonna write about this in like a upcoming generational fair newsletter because the whole thing is just so like funny and fun to me um and then there's things like wacky things like the cellulose extraction method for gel for making like gelatin to set jams and stuff. And it literally involves like soaking a single Kleenex in like water, like wacky things that you're like, what, what is this? <laughs> but here, let me see if I can find that one. Actually, it is 
but like all of these old fashioned there's like literally a recipe quote unquote in here for removing like grease stains and you're like right like nobody had tied sticks and yeah the information had to be stored somewhere and so my nana apparently kept it in a recipe box oh and my grandpa had something in here for like it's like literally a recipe for like lawn fertilizer and you're like okay you guys um <laughs> we also are a family that really loves a casserole tons of casserole i would say a lot of the recipes in here probably originated like in the 50s and 60s which totally makes sense that was when you know the sort of yeah the rise of the housewife and kitchens and um canned foods and you know eventually the microwave and stuff like all of that mm-hmm. uh, my nana was definitely cooking a lot from there's a old women's magazine in canada called chatelaine and there's a lot of cards from Chatelaine in the recipe box that she says like you know she'd written on it like try so she also was like (laughs) obviously down to be trying new things um so yeah it's I would say that my the way I bring my own sort of family history into generational fair is often it inspires me looking through this kind of a like little recipe box and stuff the thing that I have really taken from it is that there might be a single recipe like um, rhubarb pickle I shared on generational fare, which was my great grandmother's recipe. The thing that that triggers is then a desire to want to like know who she was and where she came mm-hmm. from. And so I actually ended up like signing up for ancestry.com and have since built out a family tree. And so while there isn't like a real legacy in terms of the really, really old recipes, I would say what it has triggered for me is just like a deep interest in who my family members were whether they found cooking to be an extreme burden or whether they like loved whipping up a pie you know in the prairies in the 1920s I just find myself wanting to know more and more about who they were as people yeah that's so cool I love how food and we've talked about this I think before but how food really connects us to our past and you're like oh yeah you ate food just like I do and exactly. you hated a certain food just like I do. Yeah. And then, yeah, you just want to know more and you want to just be able to go back and talk to them and learn from them. Totally. Hopefully. So I love that you've been able to kind of, um, not kind of, I love that you've been able to link a little bit the food with your past and like try to figure out the people and who's who and hopefully at some point you'll be able to know it all and be like yeah but yeah I mean I would say like my family food story isn't particularly like romantic you know like a lot of it seemed like everybody that I did my master's with so many of them come from these like romantic you know Parisian grandmother who this that and the other thing Mm -hmm. and that's okay you know it's like that's okay not all of our stories can be um cinematic but again they had to eat right so they were they were eating something and hopefully it was tasty and you know if if it was on a farm then it probably was you know because they were growing their own vegetables and churning their own butter so it had to be at least a little bit tasty yeah if not it's at least fresh (laughs) exactly fresh and healthy so speaking kind of a more family and history or your past um kind of wanted to ask our big question that we ask everybody about your um mom help me out if I'm getting this wrong your p ptfd <laughs> post-traumatic food disorder um <laughs> we'll go with of is there something from like your childhood or even a little further on that has caused you to hate or avoid a certain food? Yes, that's a good question. I I am notoriously open to eating anything. Even as a kid, I was pretty pretty open, but there or there was a dish this was a self destructive experience or oh, self induced 
um, when I was a kid, I felt quite determined that I was going to come up with the new like peanut butter and jam or peanut butter and jelly combo. You know, it was oh, like, no. I'm somebody, you know, I'm going to really be innovative and break ground here. And so I combined <laughs> um, peanut butter and cheese whiz in a sandwich. Do you know cheese whiz? Is it only Canadian? Yeah, no, 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 we have it. Okay, okay. So like, you know, it's like plastic orange spread in a jar. Um, and I can tell you it doesn't go with peanut butter very well. Um, yeah, but I can I, imagine. Yeah, it was pretty, pretty gnarly, but I made myself eat the whole thing because I guess coming from prairie stock I was like we can't waste this food um but it was gross it was a gross sandwich and I was like all right I guess you know people are sticking with peanut butter and jelly for a reason so that was my that was my childhood one and then as an adult um I have eaten many many (laughs) interesting things um in these various positions but I did eat at a sushi restaurant in Richmond it was during my 365 days of dining year um fermented squid and the way that they ferment it is they take the guts out of the squid and they salt them and then they leave them to ferment for a couple of days and they kind of break down and then they press them through essentially a sieve and the result is this kind of like pinky gray it almost looks like pinky gray cream and then they chop up the squid you know, like white flesh and they put that inside of the pinky gray soupy cream and they leave it to ferment for another couple of days. And then they give it to you at the table and it was hard to eat. And I, but then I also have this sense of pride where I was, you know, constantly in Richmond. I'd be like the one white person in a restaurant and you'd want to be like, (laughs) I'm not that white person in a restaurant. And so Mm -hmm. it was the most difficult thing I've ever eaten but I was also like I can't just take a bite and leave it (laughs) so I forced myself to eat at least half the bowl and it was really tough it was a tough thing to get through personally and I yeah like a lot I eat a lot but that it it left my mouth a little like numb quite frankly oh oh weird yeah I don't um you know it's not for everybody we'll put it that way I'm you know I don't believe in foods being like weird or exotic because they're only weird and exotic depending on like who you are in your context right it's Mm -hmm. like it's not weird and exotic for somebody else but for me (laughs) in that moment the fermented squid was not sitting well with my system we'll put it that way yeah I can I can imagine so did that just put you off from like fermented squid or you just done with squid I think only fermented squid Okay. Yeah, the the thing the thing about it was that it was so different from anything else I've ever had that it was just sort of like I feel generally speaking as long as I don't order something called fermented squid off of a menu again, <laughs> I'll be okay. You know, I wasn't like and now I'm afraid of eating blah blah blah. It was like nope, that was a one off hopefully and I think straight you know just like squid that's been like grilled or something. Mwah, delicious. Totally happy to have that still. Oh, that's good. That's yes. good. Like, yeah. It didn't like, Thank goodness. Freak, you know, turn totally turn because squid is squid can be really good. So it can be so delicious. Yeah. I, I would say most what... of the time it's delicious. Yeah. yeah. And this... thankfully it didn't turn you off of fermented items. Oh, that would be, I mean, that would have been would like be really sad. One of the sadder things that could happen to a person, I would say. Yeah. So, yeah. <laughs> All right. Mary, what's the next question? I think, can I ask her the question about the, the, Never mind. I'm just going to ask you. Why am I asking if I could ask you this? Yeah, I was like, you're uh, also, you know, one of the sorry. hosts. I know, but you have the list, I think. Um, so I had come up with a question for you that was like, what was, so we just talked about like the um, negative experiences, I guess we could call it that. So then on, um, yeah. on the flip side. So on the flip side, yeah. What, do you remember like, what was the, what was the one food or meal or whatever that kind of like rocked your world that kind of you were just like, Oh, I, I need to, to do something with food in my life. Cause you know. I need to do something about this. Um, yes, that's a great question. And I thought about this for a little while. Um, because like I said, I wasn't a particularly picky child, but 
then it occurred to me what the sort of chain, the light bulb moment was for me was um, tasting my first olive in Italy. And this was before I lived in Italy. This was like, this was when I was doing my undergrad still. And I just, I went on exchange to England for a year. And before I got to England, my friend and I went to Italy. So it was the first time I had ever been, I think probably out of North America. I'd never, never been to Europe. And I grew up really disliking olives. We were each allowed one thing that we weren't forced to eat. And mine was olives. (laughs) Um, But I think that tasting like a green olive from a barrel at a market in Italy that was you know came pulled out of olive oil Mm -hmm. it made me realize like oh the brined black canned olives (laughs) that I was fed growing up are not the olives right it's like there's a whole wide olive world out there and I wasn't privy to it until right now you know I'd probably had like a Kalamata or something but that was probably too salty for me but like this was a delicious green and I remember being like oh my gosh this is like buttery and like kind of (laughs) meaty and so good and so that was a real it's it's almost like that's when I grew up (laughs) you know it was like I'm I'm out in the world, I'm traveling and I'm tasting this thing for the first time and realizing like, oh, maybe as a person who'd based her identity around not liking olives, I am a person <laughs> who actually loves olives. And ever since then, I'm just uh, can't get enough of them. So thanks they to, have to whoever be that vendor was. Good, <laughs> yeah, good, good olives. Exactly. Yeah, 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 yeah. That that does make a difference because I, mm-hmm. I well, Mary, you live in the Midwest now. So I'm thinking that a lot of the people that you deal with or that you deal with that's awful that are in your we'll just say that are in your that are in your community probably are used to like the black olives in a can and not I, the I don't know. I mean you should ask your roommate, your flatmate. One well, of these days. Sophie would like she she does not oh, yeah, Sophie's get just like the black olives. That's we do we, we we are fancy here a little bit. <laughs> so we will branch out I mean I don't just get black olives but I also didn't I'm not a midwesterner so yeah well I just find it fascinating because I know like growing up all of my friends like they would have never they would have been like you Lindsay where they they never would have had any other olives other than the black ones in a can and maybe the green one like the manzan is it manzanilla right right with the the little pimento totally totally Uh, and so at our house we just always had all sorts of olives Mm -hmm. because that was my my grandpa my grandpa and grandma the italian side just loved their like briny salty dried sicilian olives oh the really salty oh yeah 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 so anyway yeah no that's awesome that's so good yeah olives are olives are my jam now Perfect. Perfect. All right, Mary. Okay. Well, (laughs) (laughs) I asked my question. Now it's your turn. (laughs) I mean, yeah, I have, there's so many things that we could ask you, but I think what I would like to know, um, because we've talked about foods that you haven't liked, foods that you thankfully now like, um, but what would be if you... I'm going to qualify all of this only because I had to do that with when we interviewed my dad. Mm -hmm. Um, Time, money, place are of no consequence here. Okay. Okay. We live outside of reality. So he was like, how much money do I have to spend? (laughs) Yeah, Yeah, pretty much. He was calculating everything. Um, What would be your ultimate birthday meal? You could go anywhere. You could be with anybody. What would you like to eat? Okay. Oh, boy. This could go so many different directions. Can I give, like, um, two scenarios? One is, like, fairly realistic, and then the other one is, like, dreamy. You know, hopefully will happen someday. Yeah, please. You can give okay. as many mm-hmm. as you'd like. 
Okay. Because <laughs> it's so hard to narrow this down. Because I am just like, there would be at least six that I can think of right now. <laughs> well, because I have one really easy. One is very right off the top of my head. And that is, I mean, if it was my birthday's in March. So let's pretend also that my birthday is in like July. So that it's like height of <laughs> nicer food, right? There's not a lot coming out yet in March. But I like having a meal... Uh, like a roast chicken mm-hmm. with a beautiful panzanella, some really nice wine, maybe some like grilled asparagus or some grilled veggies, and a chocolate layer cake for dessert. This is like peak living to me, basically. And to be honest, like not. It, it is very much within the realm of possibility. Like my, my best friend who's Dana, who I wrote the book with, she lives a block away from me. And like in the summertime, we have these like really beautiful meals like that outside in mm-hmm. her little garden. And they are just, they bring me like such pleasure and joy. They, and that's like panzanella and roast chicken and chocolate layer cake is like, is it for me that's that's everything i absolutely love that meal so that is the kind of like you know could could happen and now that i think about it i'm like god i really need to make this maybe next i know week. So, i'm like yeah and i was like that i sounds... think i've now got it on my list <laughs> yeah very, I have very a... nice <laughs> yeah and um smitten kitchen's chocolate olive oil cake is probably mm. like i make this cake like honestly twice a month it's so good and it's it's actually vegan interestingly enough but it's such a good chocolate cake so that would yeah. be probably specifically the the layer cake um Yum. and then the sort of like more dreamy version would be i'm turning 40 in two years and two friends and i are really we have this sort of hope dream but hopefully make it a reality to go to either Italy or Greece in our sort of 40th birthday year and be able to spend, you know, two or three weeks even living in like one place in either Italy or Greece and just like Mm -hmm. living and loving life there for, for a while. And so probably like getting to go to a little, honestly, probably in Greece, like getting to go to a little, restaurant and being fed a delicious locally made home-cooked greek meal um would be again peak peak living for me that sounds amazing yeah that's what i yeah i'm like great (laughs) go do it (laughs) see you there (laughs) (laughs) i'll meet you over there too (laughs) yeah yeah that's to me like because i also i just love like swimming in the ocean swimming in lakes or the ocean so i'm basically Mm -hmm. like if i could go swim in the sea all day swim in the mediterranean and then like have a shower and go get fed some delicious greek food then like you know yeah life complete totally done (laughs) there's absolutely nothing more i want yeah well, yeah, when you said two or, when good. you said two or three weeks, I was like two or three weeks. You need like two months. I was oh, like two I or mean, three months. Yeah, here here's hoping. You know, like yes, there's all sorts of little scenarios I have in my head. I'm like, how can I how can I swing this? Um, but yeah, and and also the idea too of just being in like one place, you know, where you can just like settle in and really get to know it and get to mm-hmm. know the locals a bit, get to know the local restaurants, and not be packing and repacking a ton you know just be like yeah we live for a while this is our this is our place for a while yeah that is always so nice to be able to not just live out of your suitcase but like unpack your suitcase put really clothes in the drawers Mm -hmm. and get to know the area and go to your favorite cafe place every morning totally yep 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 super nice totally yeah that i just think is one of the the nicer ways to travel yeah. ever yeah well i hope i do hope you get to do that that sounds thank you me too like a magical time yeah fingers um, crossed it's fly it's really racing towards 40 pretty quickly here. I think we were like, <laughs> we've got so much time to save and now we're like okay well hop to my kids there you go so how how can people get a hold of you what's your what's your way of being found 
on the in internet. World. Yeah, right. I'm like going right, but yeah. <laughs> how can we find you in the world? Um, so the website is www.generationalfair.com and if anyone wants to get in touch with me, there's a contact form there. The email address is just hello at generationalfair.com. Um, on Instagram, it's at generationalfair. And so, yeah, I would absolutely encourage your listeners if you have um, any old family recipes, like I said, whether they're very romantic or not, you know, it might be <laughs> like your, you know, like a pretzel salad recipe or something. Um, uh, with jello. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, if the recipe in jo- involves Jello, that's awesome. You know, like send send it in. We would love um, your recipes and your stories and your photos um, to be able to share um, share with everybody, so that everybody can can read them and and make your favorite family foods. So that's yeah, that's the best place to find me. Awesome. Okay, great. We will have all of that information in the description. Great. Thank you. So, yeah. Yeah. Excuse me. Well, well thank you for... so much. Yeah, it was so oh, this was such a joy. This was so you. fun. Likewise. Um, and if you're ever in Vancouver, look me up and um, maybe as I can feed you some roast chicken. As long as we don't have to go try <laughs> fermented squid. <laughs> yeah. I promise you, I promise you, it will be roast chicken and layer cake and no fermented squid in sight. How about that? Awesome. Sounds great. Sounds Mary, like we'll, have to, we'll have to plan a trip. <laughs> that yeah. sounds awesome. All right. Well, enjoy the rest of your week and the sunshine and so the strawberries. Yeah. Thank you so much. And um, and you too, whatever. I hope, Mary, that you can rustle up some really, really good ones where you are. Me too. <laughs> I'll have my fingers crossed well, for you. Okay. All right. Maybe. All right. All the best. Thanks, guys. Thanks. Yep. Bye. 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 Thanks for joining Nancy and Mary on this week's episode of Needs More Salt. Follow the show on our social media pages and join us next week as we bring flavor to your life.